200 episodes. It's got a nice round number to it. I won't go into a long soliloquy about it, but I can tell you that that number represents a lot of hard work, a lot of belief, sacrifice, a lot of editing. Woo! A lot of editing in hours. But it continues to represent where I want to take this. And to get here, it represents the long game. I've never put a number on how many episodes I was going to do, mind you, but this number is small compared to where I saw myself and where I wanted to be. So I want to tell you or anyone that's listening to this from listening to the Av podcast to the stoops to my story episodes, just a simple thank you. Just thank you. It's that simple. Thank you. And I'm not stopping and that I hope you continue to enjoy and appreciate it as much as I appreciate you. All right, so for the 200th episode of the Av Podcast, I'm joined by author Jonathan Boxhill and South Shariah family member Kevin W. As this week is the 30th anniversary of the L.A. riots. And we have a general and real conversation about our thoughts about how the Rodney King beating and the resulting trial spearheaded one of the craziest riots in history. But also how it ties into the social issues these last few years. And if you learn from this as a community. Uh, we're here to talk about it all. And as always, Sasha Rav is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit the like and favorite buttons. Smash or at the very least, press hard and repeatedly on the subscribe buttons. It takes literally about two seconds of your time. And click the five stars. I appreciate your support if you haven't already done it. And if you have, do it again. Talking about the five stars. Why not? And check out my website and get into the catalog, which is SouthSharav.com. All right? Cool. It's the Av Podcast with Cal C on South Sharav Radio 200. Welcome to the Av Podcast with Cal C on South Sharav Radio. Welcome to the 200th episode of the Av Podcast where I'm joined by author Jonathan Boxhill and my South Sharav family member, uh, Kevin W. How do, how do both of you guys doing today? Doing good, bro. Not bad, Calvin. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. And, con- and congratulations, Calvin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, we're here obviously to talk about you know, the, the 30th anniversary. This week is the 30th anniversary of the, uh, of the L.A. riots. You know, which uh, happened because of the, you know, the the four cops that got acquitted of brutalizing Rodney King back in September 1991. Uh, the case happened on April 29th, 2000, sorry, 1992. And uh, it started a three day riot across the, uh, the communities of Los Angeles, the poorer communities of Los Angeles. And it started a, a riot for three days that basically the National Guard had to step in. It caused over, I would say, over a billion dollars worth of damages in that community of Compton and, and everywhere else. Um, but, you know, I'll start with you, Jonathan, just looking back on it now. Right. As an adult, what, what are your thoughts? What do you think of the of the L.A. riots? Well, immediately for me, I, I just think about how old I was at the time mm-hmm. and um I guess I believe I was in high school or whatever, and obviously I felt the rage and I felt the anger, you know, looking back at that at that time. But I, I also, I remember also feeling, and I didn't articulate it at the time, it wasn't fully conscious, but I felt like, well, no one's putting this in context for me, really. Like, no one, and I didn't really have anybody there to explain to me, right? you know, the historical thing around this topic that was, a, that's a huge topic that's a charged topic I, you know and um this wasn't talked about in school a lot of my friends didn't really even know about their their history or their culture or, or black history at all to a, a large extent so it was kind of we were kind of just left with this and the images in the media of you know all these just they're just out of control and they're just destroying their their, their city so, so first it was the 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 part about the injustice and feeling kind of robbed. And then the other part was, well, a sense of powerlessness that because nothing really came out of it and no one was there to put anything in context. So when I look back at that, I look back at how I was so impressionable and I didn't have any anybody really around me to, to, to guide me in my process of, of learning about myself and my, my, my culture and my people. So that actually led me on a journey 
towards that. Not that event specifically, but that kind of sparked my interest to go and study and learn about what people weren't teaching me about. Right. Because we weren't learning it in school, obviously. Nobody, man. None of my friends, parents, none of our parents really were educating us about anything deep related to to our, to the social climate of the time and also our history so it, it was just we were just there to receive what the media was given and how they were framing the issues which was all negative that was uh, disheartening so it kind of did it kind of led me to in a good way to seek out information um other than that was other than the the media the narrative spun by the media and obviously it wasn't like an overnight thing but that was a pivotal, one of the pivotal events that I, because I, I had a lot of questions and no one was really giving me that answers. I was sufficient, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What, what about you, Kevin? Um, I didn't realize, I, okay. Some things start, some uncomfortable things started to make sense. Uh, but I believe like in Montreal, was it um, Rodney Gri- Anthony Griffin, Marcellus Francois? And a couple others, there's a couple incidences with law enforcement. And, like, it seemed like the people, like, representation matters, right? But it seemed like the people that look like us seem to be on the receiving end of, like, what, what's going on here, right? And when I saw that, again, you know, way younger, um, couldn't put a lot of things into context. The only reference that I would have had at the time where it was actually being discussed was in hip hop music. Right. Right. And I hear the lyrics and I'm like, you know, let's say Flavor Flav would would take the time to write a song and have it printed at Def Jam Records, pressed, nine one one is a joke and, you know, at the police and, and this, that, whatever you know what I mean? Illegal search, LL Cool like if all these rappers made sure that at least one of their songs touched on it, like Ice T and Ice Cube and like, yo, I didn't really get what they were talking about to the same degree, but it it kind of pulled the veil back to show, like, you know, the the Wizard of Oz that that, that is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, um, that's the best way I can put it. It's like, it's that, like, it's like that pixie does that magic. It's like you, you kind of dusted it off, and now you're realizing, oh, there's, there's a real thing here. It's not just right. something you and, hear. You know, it just—it's not something that you just hear and and bop your head to at that. At least in terms of the hip hop point that you're making. And like historically, it just seems that every so often, it's like there's a racial injustice volcano, and you try to you, you know you try to pretend like it's not there, and because you just call it like dormant because there's nothing really to happen. But every couple years, there's always like an event where it just like erupts, and then something like that happens. And the media portrayal is was that de- definitely something, because they they could only be down by helicopter and and people are being hurt and this and that whatever and I'm like okay, but are we addressing why this outcry happened? Like why was the bear poked? You know, but you're blaming the bear. It's like yep. okay, all right, right. Like I know for me, like I I think of it being like the like the first point of like an impactful widespreading public racism that I can pinpoint that happened in my lifetime, at least a a major public one. Like that was the first time when you, you really watched and understood or at least started to get to understand police brutality and how deep it could affect you. Cause you know, again, coming from Montreal, you know, we had to deal with our bouts of racism from police officers, especially being English and black. But I would say to like, to witness that happen, and seeing, you know, the four cops basically all walk after causing essentially permanent damage to Rodney King. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter if he violated parole or not, you know, to have his, you know, I would say his humanity, you know, taken away from him in that moment was the first real memory of something like that being etched in my brain. You always look at the footage of like, you know, the civil rights movement and, you know, the documentaries like the eyes on the prize and stuff, you know, you. You watch those things or I would say you're probably, you know, at that age, you're probably four. You're not watching that stuff willingly. You know what I mean? You're kind of being forced to watch those type of uh, those type of films and those type of, you know, understanding those stories, um, you know, at that point, like you're kind of being forced that you're not, you know, as a, as a preteen or whatever. And I think at that around that time, I think I was like in grade eight. 
So, you know, you're not fully like uh, to to your point to both of your points. You're not really fully understanding the like. You're not really grasping at all, but seeing it, you know, in that way on the media and and seeing places just on fire and you know, um, people being pulled from the cars and getting beaten up and you know and 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 seeing communities just in in black smoke and in a blaze like you're just you know it's it's one of those things where it's like you 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 know where you were when you saw it you know what i mean like it's it's one of those things it's like it's like that was our, that was like one of our first for our generation that was probably one of the first moments of like of a of a of a powder keg moment you know within a community that we got to see that's like it'll never be forgotten and, and you know what i mean and i don't know it kind of represents what a community feels like when it's in a powder keg because what LA was at that moment, again, like guys like ice cube was telling us, this is what's, what's going to, this is what's going to eventually happen in LA, you know? And there, but also there were like a bunch of other communities across America that was ready to blow at that time too, you know? And, and, and the LA police system was, I would say at that moment, they were as corrupt as possible. Cause you think about, when white flight took uh, sorry when white flight you know happened in these communities and and these people left you know it they started becoming over police you know when liquor stores and gun stores started coming up in there and korean grocery stores and convenience stores started popping up a lot and black people had nothing to do with it in terms of ownership and you know you got gang culture that's rooted in the community you got the crack epidemic running through there and, you know, you got officers, again, over-policing the hell out of those areas. You knew something was going to give. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Because there's, there's leftover, um, you know, there's, there's leftover trauma from, like, there, was a, there were a couple riots in the 60s, I believe, right? Right. And then there was um, the <clears throat> war on drugs. Um, and then there was... <laughs> Then there was this as a turnover. It's just like, it's just like so, again, saying something had to give. Don't be surprised if you have all the ingredients for a Molotov cocktail. You put them, you put them together, and you throw it. Don't be surprised if something happens, right? If if, if it's lit on fire, right. and that's exactly just, the people. Some people just had had enough. Other people just wanted an excuse, but. It, it it was dangerous and unfortunate to to know that really not much had changed. Well, because you know this conversation can get real. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we can go into a lot of places. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, you know. So let's just this, yeah. <laughs> you know, watch when you guys were talking. I was thinking about so many things were flashing through my mind and and. Uh, I remember, too, growing up and just knowing that the police were not for us, you know, and having guys that I knew that were really good guys that got beat up by cops for absolutely no reason. And um, a lot of crazy incidents, you just knew that the police were not for you. And I remember um, in... Uh, in one of the one of my therapist positions that I had, I remember our, our supervisor talking to us about a study, and this is something that they utilize in their model. They said that you know the youth that um, get contact with police, there's a negative correlation. There's a correlation with them um, going into criminal behavior. So just having early contact with police, whether it be you know searching, searching you, you know asking you questions, looking for your ID. Whatever that does to the mind, in terms of priming the mind, it tends to, they've correlated that it, a lot of these youth tend to go into criminal behavior versus youth that don't have the, those negative early experiences with police. Right. And that really stayed with me, um, you know, after I, I worked at that, um, at that, that firm. But what, what was interesting is how we've been shaped by that, growing up in that culture, the hip-hop culture, as you mentioned, as well, and then seeing that play out, it's, it, was, it was so surreal. What was even more surreal for me was realizing that nothing actually came out of it. Yeah. 
actually thought, okay, maybe something's going to come out of it. You know, maybe something's going to be, a, maybe there's going to be a shift in the chain, and nothing came out of it. And I think that's trauma in itself. I think the Rodney King thing is, is trauma, but I think a lot of times we don't look at, well, what actually came out of this that was tangible or that we could say we had a, a moment where we were able to have a victory over nothing. Yeah, nothing. Well, and it, that is traumatic. That just reinforces a spell of nothing we can do. You know, nothing we can do. And I, and that's the thing too, right? Like <laughs> the technology was, you know, obviously much more outdated than it is now. It's definitely different, you know, back then. But you know, you had footage. You had footage of seeing this. You know, so you're thinking, well, two plus two was four. <laughs> There's the end of the story. Not not realizing it's seventeen. You know, like, <laughs> you know, at the same time, yeah. like, like even before that, you know, um, there was the killing of um, like the murder of Latasha Harlins. Um, I think that was like earlier that year, earlier, like I think it was like spring of 91, where she was 15 years old. She walked into um, a, a Korean grocery store and she was uh, she was blamed for um, stealing orange juice. And she got shot in her back by the Korean grocery store owner. They were supposed to, I think she was supposed to get 25 to life because especially when it turned out that the, what she had in her hand was the money to pay for the, to pay for whatever she's going to buy in the store, which it might've been orange juice and not a gun, right? Or not the orange juice side. Now let me rephrase that. Not the orange juice that she was blamed for, for stealing. So it wasn't the orange juice she had in her hand. It was, it was actually the money that she had in her hand to buy whatever she's going to buy in the store. So, you know, when it goes from that and then you find out afterwards that, you know, that Korean grocery store owner never went to jail. She just got hit with, you know, probation and a $500 fine and nothing came out of that. And and that's before Rodney King. You know what I mean? So then for that to happen again, it's like you're playing with fire. Especially when it's within that same community, you're playing with fire at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I I don't know more than that, like. More than that, though, like on a world scale, it just, you know, I think it showed the world, you know, that these communities through interviews, through complaints, through pain and shit, even through songs, they weren't lying. You know, you have a generation of people thinking that, you know, at that point, civil rights is over. And outside of the, you know, as Kevin mentioned, the war on drugs, everything was okay. And that these communities, they just, ah, they just need to tighten up. You know, tighten up them bootstraps, clean themselves up, which was obviously like dead wrong because it's way more nuanced than that. And to your point, uh, Jonathan, like the storytelling by the media, you know, at, in, in some of those cases, it was it was so one sided. You know what I mean? Like, like think of all the stuff that's, that was created from those type of communities, right? Like like Miami Vice and, <laughs> you know, like even a show like Cops. Cops was created on a good guy, bad guy narrative. And when most of the guys that they're busting on the show look like us, you know, it just presents all these labels, these negative connotations and labels on us that it just represents us poorly, right? Until a situation like that happens. And then, you know, now you might have more of a population going, oh, oh, I didn't know. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was interesting. But, you know, when you fast forward you know things about 20 25 years later you know now we're, we're dealing with unarmed black men and women still being brutalized by the police in america then in you know two years ago in 2020 the melting pot once again boils over when george floyd gets murdered and ahmaud Aubrey gets murdered and you're you know you definitely see like you know looking back on this now like you definitely see that there's a thread that tracks back from the LA riots to this moment two years ago. Um, so the question I have for both of you, and you know, I'll let one of you, one of you decide on who wants to talk about it first, but what do you need to see that would make you like you two men believe that, you know, are we like, is there any point that we're at least close to cutting this thread, this historical thread that's just attaching us to all these periods, you know, the last 30 years, I'm not even going to go back cause we can go way further than that, obviously, but just in the last 30 years, do you, do you guys feel like, you know, like, are we, are we any, any closer to cutting that thread and breaking that tie from that? 
I'll let you take that one. <laughs> I was literally about to pass you the puck. I know, I tried. Me too. We're so Canadian and polite with it, eh? Here, hot. after you. No, 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 after you. No one's walking through the door. You know? <laughs> hot potato. Hot potato. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, Calvin, please just further explain the cutting and cutting of the thread. Cutting of the thread, just meaning, like, you know, are, are we closer to the point where we can cut this thread where, like, you know, in 10, 15 years, we're not talking about this again? That's what I mean by that. And I don't my op- I'm, I'm not saying that we're 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 at the point where we have the scissors to the thread. I'm just saying, like, what do you need to see that will make you believe that we're we're gonna get closer to cutting this thread? Um, and answer it however way you want to answer it. Okay, I'm just gonna try and see if I can formulate it properly. Um, I believe what has to change is uh, the people that are that were kept in the dark. I believe for us to see and have that change is that all the people that were kept in the dark and given, you know, a lot of false propaganda to consume. Um, and use that and use that to help formulate their opinions. Uh, I think that they and everybody basically needs to come together and realize and look and, and look up to try and identify who the people are that have been lying to us so long. Whatever the situation is, um, there shouldn't be this this many generations experiencing the same thing and always being told that it's going to get better, is going to get better. You might as well just tell me that the meek shall inherit the earth. While we're alive and we're around to, like, actually capitalize on it and create, you know, and, and, and set things up the way we want, sure, we're, call us the bad guys, but you'll get yours when you're dead kind of thing. Right. Um, it shouldn't be the only, the main difference that's happened since, like, let's say the L.A. riots and... Um, you know, and, uh, oh, geez. No, no. Oh, sorry. It shouldn't be that the only difference between, you know, the Rodney King incident and uh, George Floyd was just the quality of media that you went from VHS to, like, cell phone. But both instances, it took an innocent bystander, an innocent bystander standing up and, you know what I mean? Yeah. And making the world... So, so that means from that point and like the, and the system that just made sure that everybody got to walk as a result of it, and then to this point, just that there was so much public outcry and everything like that, that it seems, jeez, oh, this, this, you, you could ask a hell of a question, Calvin. That was pretty good. That's a big question. Like that's, you know. It, it would it it will take everybody that doesn't have like to everybody to realize that it's not NIMBY. It's it's our it's you know what NIMBY is not in my backyard. Oh mm. okay yeah. That there's that expression like something happens but does it affect me directly? No okay fine all right well thoughts and prayers you know what I mean mm-hmm. and you go about your business. It would take something like that same groundswell to get everyone's attention to identify what the societal evil is and make that change. Hmm. Nothing, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will matter. I don't think that any, so are any, because the, the same political parties, whether you change, whether they wear whatever color tie or fly whatever flag, the issues still persist. And it's not like one party has fought more, you know, towards addressing it than the other, it seems like whatever happens, these issues are still here. You know what I mean? Right. It's like no matter who you hire to wash your dishes, when you come home and the dishes are still in the sink, it's like, yo, who? it doesn't matter what agency I call, the result is still the same. Like, why do I bother calling the agency? Right. Right? Is that, hope, that, that helplessness? It's like that. Yeah. You know, I struggle with this question, man, to be honest with you. Because That's all, that's all good. I, I'm like, 
of so many points of view and minds with this, and I know I've asked myself this question, and I haven't come up with a good answer. I, I think we can't keep doing the same things. This is a... I think we had, we had that conversation before, Kev. <clears throat> before we came on the air, we can't keep doing the same thing and being manipulated by our emotions. Right. And I think we just keep falling into these same tactics of... You mentioned this before, Kev, about divide and conquer and us being manipulated by our emotions so that we get swayed into uh, division or swayed into... We're always in a reactive stance, and we're not like in a mm-hmm. proactive stance. Facts. You know, we're we're always we're always reacting to something. And I think what I would need to see is we're more in a proactive stance in terms of what we're doing as a collective. Mm-hmm. Even though we're we don't operate as a collective, but we have at least you know grown up in a way where we could see, okay, I see what's happening here. And yes, this is crazy. But we need we need a strategy. We need a plan. We need to have some codes amongst ourselves with each other. That we don't have to agree on everything, but I do feel we need codes. Simple codes like we're going to support X, we're not going to support Y, we're going to investigate things before we we just jump on things emotionally because they sound right or they're, they're all the talking points or points we want to hear. Like, yeah, 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 you know. We're, we're not just going to jump behind whoever is put in front of us to be a leader, you know what I'm saying? Right. That can galvanize our emotions because they have the gift of gab and they know how to hit the right buttons, you know. Mm-hmm. I call them, you know, the activist pimp, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I think if I start seeing more of that, then I'll believe that, okay, there's, there's, there's going to be some change. There's going to be some power because we have codes amongst each other. Right. And we respect these codes. Like, you know, we're not going to get up here and bash this other brother and sister. We're going to talk to them behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. We're going to have disagreements behind the scenes. We're going to have codes on certain things. And we're not going to just jump behind and support this group or that group because they're now the in-hype group that, oh, by the way, maybe they're not the the group that was for us. We could find that out later on. But, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. We should see the same game being played on us all the time. So I, I would just like to see more of that. You know, we're waking up to our power. And our power is not in reacting all the time. Right. Our power is, we have much more power. We can see, okay, there's a game being played on us, how, and we need to have codes amongst each other. It might not be this unity thing, but it might be a step towards we have these common interests, these common goals, and um, let's, let's organize around that. That's what I would see because to be told the other communities ain't going to really respect us or look at us anyway. They see we're all divided up. And, you know, we don't, we don't have code amongst each other. We don't have a, you know, we're just at war with each other. So I, I, I don't feel we can look for the political parties, like the brother was saying, or anybody outside to really have our back in that way. It's going to be, it's got to be a unified, um, not really unified, but it's got to be, where the majority of us is on code with something and how we move, and we start being a little bit more proactive. What that looks like in detail, that's for another podcast. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because, I mean, I came up with that question probably about 20 minutes before I called you guys. But And the saddest thing about all of this, right, is, is about a couple months back, and this is what's kind of sparked the idea of doing this episode. Um, but I was watching the documentary on the L.A. riots on, I think it was on A&E, and I was kind of like reliving some of those feelings and moments that, you know, what I was thinking about when I was a teenager witnessing this, right? Um, and what filled me for a loop was listening to clips of, you know, people on the street, you know, the locals in the communities in Compton and, you know, where they're just talking about how they've been mistreated, how they've been 
brutalized or just sick and tired of being sick and tired of the police treating them the way that they do. And nobody's taking their words seriously outside of the community. And I swear to you, you know, if you close your eyes, it sounds exactly like Ferguson. It sounds like Baltimore. You know what I mean? Like it, it sounds like Glynn County where Ahmaud Aubrey died. It sounds like Kenosha where Jacob Blake got shot seven times in his back. It sounds like Minneapolis, right? Like that same record has been played over and over again. Like it's just so crazy to me to think that we just keep reliving as a community. We just keep reliving this, you know? So that's why I think that's why I asked about the thread because this thread to me is so strong and, and so deep that I, I start to generally wonder if like, if this shit is ever going to get cut in our lifetime, you know, and, and for us to be, you know, like, how do we come, you know, to your point, Jonathan, like, how do we become proactive in applying the pressure to get that thread cut so that like in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, we're not having another wave of, of brutalizing moments between the communities and officers that are sworn to protect it. You know what I mean? Like, that that's 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 where the genesis of that question came from and there's so many directions you can go in order to cut this thread to add and in just some of the ways like things like owning businesses and recycling the dollar amongst us you know i i've mentioned this in prior podcasts but like you know buying up land and properties becoming a power so that when we step to police departments in this manner we can alter and change laws politically it's like it's a very to unify together is is a very real power and pressure that could you know threaten careers if things like this happen to us and and and, it, and that pressure doesn't just come from like social media pressures and protesting alone as they say like protesting is in the move of the voice is the move of the voiceless right and i, I just don't want to see us or these communities be voiceless anymore even if they're you know they're kind of designed to be voiceless because of the way things are set up right so so go ahead to, for me you see what what really, from what I'm hearing is what really you're saying is we're trying to act as power. And really, black people in America are trying to act as power. And that's a contradiction in itself because, or, or it has been, because the whole power structure and the whole police structure is set up to maintain the power structure. Mm-hmm. And you see in L.A., you see the dichotomy between the same damn area and it's everywhere Beverly Hills and Compton, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you see the distribution of resources, segregation, how they're treated and everything. It, it, it's, it's not done there by accident. Mm-hmm. It's not because people just want to be that way. That's just how the global, that global structure works. And specifically the states is, is you know, the focal point and pinnacle of that. So, mm-hmm. Grabbing power is the issue, and you don't grab power by begging and asking and pleading and protesting. Right. The problem is that that was a template we were given from the civil rights days. Does that work today? Funny you should mention that, man, because <laughs> one of our civil rights leaders that, that, that came with the moniker, and this is how the X-Men were founded, right? Um, sorry, the basis of the X-Men was that Malcolm X was Magneto, and he right. said we need to we have to we have to take up a more uh, violent approach to in reaction to the violence that we're facing. And of course, Malcolm X was shotgunned in the chest and um, you know hit with a stray of bullets. And we come to find out a little bit later that there might be a certain department that played a hand in that. And then our other leader, who was the Professor X, um, you know Martin Luther King is saying we should all work together and have peaceful conversations. Well, that was like over 60 years ago. And he, too, was held down by bullets. You know what I mean? So anything, no matter what you choose, it's like enter door one, choose option one, get cut down. Choose option number two, get cut down. As long as you choose to stay within your allotted percentage of representation, we'll be okay. And everyone in there is like just trapped trying to get out. Like, listen, we, there's, you guys have so much room. And then, nope, forget it. It's, it's a numbers game. It's a quota game. It's a keep it in that area game. It's a them problem kind of thing. But the injection of resources, the, the access to power, 
all these measures that we that, that we're speaking of now, like things that we have to do, are things that were done, you know, at the end of slavery, when black people were allowed to actually acquire resources and acquire land, or at least have land given to them, as was promised. That land was retracted. Uh, was it Jefferson or Jackson that took the land back? I remember. Not sure. It was either Andrew Jackson or maybe Stonewall Jackson. But land that was supposed to be allotted for partitioned off for for uh, you know for, for for black people, gone, annex, forget it, right? Then the, the 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 black men that went to go serve in the military, and then came and, you know under the promise that when you come back you will get you'll give you access to government loans, so that you can access land and get you know take your family out of poverty. Those that didn't go die did come back, and they they were denied access to those loans at the end of it. And some of them were wounded, and they came back the same conditions that halted them from getting access to, the, let's say, the land and the wealth and the resources necessary to build that generational wealth and power and influence. And like ever, ever, there are so many other examples where this has happened, where the groundswell was there. Black Wall Streets were burned down, destroyed. Uh, over, you know what I mean? They, they, it's been done before, and then once they see, uh oh, getting too strong, burn, you know, burn it down, scorch the earth, and we're in the same position now in 2022, where the the the, the difference is alarming in terms of having um, generational wealth and resources, and the just just the appreciation of value of land over time. Even if you had like a couple acres back in the day, what you could do with those acres. Yeah. Instead, you're stuck renting still in the state. Like, there's so many, you know, social and socioeconomical um, aspects that that, that, that 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 play a role into all this. But it just seems like the people that know this, because trust me, they know this, are just like, whatever. Yeah, Keep it's going. Kind of, it's, it's kind of the tight, tighten up your own bootstraps kind of thing again. Yeah, it maintains their system or their ideology, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and my thing is, what what's different? What's different now? Is there something different now? Is there a different atmosphere? I don't know if there is. To be honest with you, I, I like it's hard for me to even answer that with a yes or no statement. I don't like. Sorry, Calvin, you cut off there. Please repeat. No, I said I said it doesn't. I said it's hard to answer that question. Like I don't to Jonathan's question. I don't I don't know if it if it's uh, in some ways it has, and in a lot of ways it's still kind of the status quo. And and and, and, and and systematic change within like with within police structure and stuff, and 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 you know and you know white uh, you know white privilege and that kind of you know white supremacist and all that type of stuff. That's not that's not our responsibility to fix. At the same time, too, right? Like, <laughs> like we gotta uh, you know like uh, you know in, in light of what we're talking about, like those are some of the responsibilities. It's not our problem to fix. We're we're, we're not the cause of it. I I hear you, and just to go back on what I said earlier, I think it has to become, and it's a society. Like if we had to represent society to make sure that everybody had, you know, adequate resources and adequate representation, something would change. I, I think that I think that that's going to be the main the main factor. People express a, a collection of people expressing their their discontentment at a particular situation. I think everyone needs to pay attention to that a little bit more adequately and adequately and potentially join with them. Because I like remember back in high school we had um there was the Oka crisis. Right. Yeah. And you see how that particular group they all looked the same, but they didn't all, all the way it was portrayed was that they were blocking you know, uh, blocking construction or halting business. Well, why were they halting business? Just, just examples of that where we can all identify, and I think it's starting to happen now that people are kind of seeing through like the veil yeah. kind of thing. Be like how everyone's the enemy. Social media is bad in some ways, but it's good in other ways. It's good in this way too. It can open up a conversation. Have you like realize that you're being swayed in a particular direction? You know, by the people that I guarantee you know what our primal emotions are, right? Mm-hmm. And and they know how to program your thoughts. They know how to program your feelings. They know what words to say. 
you know, what, what font to use, what image to darken, you know, the paragraph, it's, it's literally, it takes all of New York City to realize that J. Jonah Jameson is full of shit when he's representing Spider-Man, the way he's portraying Spider-Man. Yeah, and I think that's part of social media's job too, right? Like, and 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 the, and the good aspect of it too, it 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 leads to self education and research, right? Like, it allows you to go, wait a minute, is that real? And it leads you to Google, and it leads you to you know to check certain things out to to see if it supports what you just saw, right? Like, it 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 leads for at least that avenue for for you to do that, and and that is helpful for a lot of people where you see you're seeing more people kind of, you know, opening their eyes on certain things and it's, and it's it's either, you know, refreshing some of those maybe thoughts they had before that laid dormant or they're just kind of opening their eyes and they're being shocked of it all, you know what I mean? And and wanting to learn more and stuff. So and it kind of leads to my last question like, you know, have we have we learned anything from the LA riots now that we're we're finally here in 2022, especially seeing what happened in the last few years and and especially in the last couple of years, like in 2020 specifically, I guess I'll start with you, John. Like, have, have we learned anything from the LA riots now that we're here at this point now? Would you say? Well, who's the we? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is, the, this is the, the issue, man. Like, clearly, as we said before, we, I hate saying this we thing, right. but like, a good po- amount of the population of black people didn't learn anything from it. And mm-hmm. we're completely manipulated by social media, which is weaponized because of what the brother was talking about. They know your emotions. You look at look at how Facebook was under investigation and the look at how the whistleblowers came out and said, hey, this is what they're doing. You know what I mean? They're, right. They, they're harmful to your kids and, and democracy because of what they do with the algorithms. So, they, so this, this stuff is weaponized. Yeah. But to me, what I was happy to see was a lot of people that were quote-unquote woke. And I don't like that word either anymore, but um, right. I, there was a lot of people that were seeing through the game and, and expressing it. But what that did was also create a lot of division and another argument for black people to have, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think we're at this point in this crossroads where we have so much it's like I'm gonna use the Spider Man reference that you use, bro. So much power and responsibility that we have, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um because we have all this information that we didn't have before. Yeah. We have all this connection that we didn't have before. There's a lot of people who do know what's up and you know, spread information, backed up information um, all the time. But you'll notice a segment of black people aren't interested in that at all, or so attached to their point of view of how they want things to to, to be. Or if it, if it doesn't come through a certain channel, they don't trust the information, right? Which is also part of mind control. But um, this is the point I think where we're at. And I don't know if I'm answering your question. <laughs> so, you know, you need to, you know, you know, pull me back in, in on the court, bro. I think I stepped out of bounds. Let me know. What, 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 what's the question again, brother? Brother Calvin. Ha, ha, have you learned what? anything? Have you learned anything from the LA riots? Not, okay, not okay. Good, 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 good. Thank you, my brother. Well, I think, yeah, you know, Yes and no. That's what I'll say. And the the segment of us that called the plays on things that happened or have been on point. There's a lot of young people I see waking up and are seeing through lies, and I'm really happy about that. And so I feel that the, that the, the whole George Floyd thing. I think a lot of people did learn from it, but now it's like, well, what are we gonna do this week? Because we got all this stuff now, man. We got all this technology, all this power, all this connection with each other that even though we'll still see themselves as powerless, what what are we gonna do? You know? Mm-hmm. Because we, we know the game. We know you know, okay, we know what's going on. We can see the, the, the pattern that happens afterwards, but in knowing that, 
the door can open for something new to begin, especially with the younger generation who are like, you know, almost warriors, you know, Mm -hmm. and need a purpose, trying to find their purpose in this crazy world. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I think think we're at a very interesting time. You know, they say crisis is opportunity. I think we're at this time in the world where everything is just on fire. There's a crisis is everywhere. There's so, all this madness is happening, and it's also a great opportunity for people to grab power or to introduce new ideas or to try to sway the minds of people. There's also an opportunity for the people to actually do something different. You know? and, and I think I think one of the things we have to learn is we've got to be on some type of code, not this whole we, but at least the we that gets it. Mm-hmm. We've got to have a code. We've got to just know the code with each other. And one of those codes might be, you know what, we're not going to waste our energy and time trying to do what didn't work before. Right. You know, or, or try to convince people and, and just argue with, each other, with, other, with other black people. We're just going to wait for them to hopefully come along and let's build what we need to build. Yeah, because, I mean, to add to your, your point, like, there's... Like we got so many different things going on in the world right now, and you know the world's kind of opening back up, but there's still a lot of anger, there's still a lot of sadness that's permeating through society. The the question I you know kept asking two years ago when you know at the height of all the stuff that was happening with George Floyd and stuff is, and the energy that was coming from that was, what are we gonna do with this energy that we have in our hands? Because and I don't want to believe that nothing came out of it because, you know, there's some things that has been created from that as well as like corporations, you know, having to recognize that there's issues and creating programs, be it scholarships, creating new roles, departments, how they even hire, you know, but that's such a small piece of, of the pie. That energy right now, it feels like it's, it's, it's not dormant, but it's parked somewhat. And I go back to the money part of it where like, you know, again, you, you know, understanding the, the statistics, like the black community spends trillions of dollars a year outside of our communities, you know, and like, even with that said, like, you know, a couple of years back, we, we were all trying to keep that dollar in house in the summer of 2020, right? As a community, are we still even on a small frame of that? Are we still committing to doing that now? You know, because I, I, I don't know if I told you this story before, but like, you know, about a month or so ago, I had to go to a, a, a hair product place, right? To go get like, I got beard oils and some, you know, have a beard and I, I got beard oils and I got some like, you know, some hair grease and stuff, right? And I went to this African place that's by me, right? Or I try to. And usually when I go, I usually try to support them. And usually when I go, it's usually like one or two people in there if 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 it's not empty, right? Most of the time when I do go. And this on this day, they were they weren't open. They were open late. Like they, they were gonna open their doors late. So I decided to go to the other store that was that's owned, you know, black hair products, all this stuff is, is a big store that's owned by Chinese, right? The Chinese community, right? And when I tell you this store was packed. Like unbelievably packed to the point where it's like, if I didn't know somebody in line, I might still be waiting in line to cash out. <laughs> you know, it's it's like, you know, after all that, it's like, yo, what happened to recycling this dollar? Like, did that just go away? You know, what I've learned is like, you know, we haven't done enough yet to think that we're so far removed that this won't happen again. You know, it's still in some cases even happening now in terms of like the brutality and stuff. And it just doesn't get the same coverage that it got two years ago. But, you know, un- until we see, like, wholesale changes that are being made systematically, it's, har- it's hard for me to totally be comfortable, you know. But to your point, Jonathan, I am optimistic because that energy, especially among the youth that, you know, you discussed, it's bubbling below the surface, you know. And I think, you know, for our generation, we can't let that energy that they have go into full sleep mode when it wakes up, not only being woken up in a reactionary position, you know, I, I wanted to see it to be used to be proactive in a positive way to see, you know, that real change gets made so that, you know, when our kids grow up and get to our age, they're not having their own versions of these stories that, you know, that we have or our parents have, or that, you know, our grandparents had and the generation before them had. Right. 
So to your point, like I, I think there, there, that energy is still there, but it's it's being parked. It's like it's it's in park right now. It's got that like, <laughs> you know, that summer ride where the where the cover is over the ride, so it doesn't get the dust on it. That that's that's where we kind of are at the moment. But you're right though. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting point because it's it's bubble. It's I think it's still bubbling. I think we as um, I believe that we in if we're going to identify like any group, any particular group, um, but us especially, stand for, stand for something or you'll fall for everything. I think that's, that's, that's one important lesson. I think that we, as a society, like as a, as a global entity, because we can clearly see how strong um, something, you know, that is deemed of everyone's importance uh, can be addressed. If we as, like, you know, let's say governments, elected officials, and everything else like that, if we attacked the issues plaguing our society with the same uh, aggressiveness, assertiveness, and zero tolerance, uh, we will not comply unless you, you know, we, we will not bend, break, or, you know, or fold. Um, this is the way that it has to be. If the same energy applied towards, let's say, um, pandemic measures was applied to addressing society's ills, mm -hmm. we could potentially get somewhere. We do not tolerate this. We are not standing for that. You know what I mean? Right. That kind of that kind of aggressiveness, I think, would that that could partially spark change. Mm -hmm. But literally, it just seems for too many people. We collectively do not, first of all, hist the history isn't there. People don't know about these issues or these issues are becoming somebody, you know, they, be, they get pushed on the back burner or it's just the way things are or there's nothing I can do. Clearly, that's not true. The hopeless, they, they, the, the distraction on the youth, for example, that you say is supposed to be the next generation to you know, to carry the torch, basically, right? But, of course, you carry the torch or the baton, but eventually you realize you just, you just keep running in circles, right? You actually want to get somewhere. Um, don't let that energy burn out with useless distractions. But that's going to be up on everybody to, like, basically teach history and know whenever you think you might be being hoodwinked or bamboozled. And that, to me, means you know, part of staying on code. I'm just gonna tie that in where yeah, let's let's identify the distractions and let's keep keep moving, let's keep building, let's keep maneuvering in a way where we're proactive. You know, and there's a lot I think distraction is one of the main main issues right now that really has the minds of these, like you said, just think about TikTok and some of these other things. And are still used to transmit information, but it is like, wow, you know, it, 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 it's a great weapon to distract the mind. So if um, we can generate consistent codes where we're like, you know, remember our mission here, remember what it is here, remember what's important, remember what matters, remember your power, remember what time it is right now, remember what you can do with these tools. You know, and um, those that were here were here. To me, what will, what some of the best case scenarios would be um, for pockets of people to be an example. And once we have an example or that can spark other examples, and it can be harder to, to it's harder to to, to quell to stop multiple examples. You know what I mean? Right. It's harder to stop down um, multiple pockets of progressiveness that's happening versus a one a one you know like Black Wall Street well you know we know how to shut that down you know what I mean but if something's like an octopus or just multiple different arms and multiple different um, pockets of progressive people but they're on cold it's kind of harder to shut that down right Hydra Hydra right that's, <laughs> that's not it's not the reference. Yeah. yeah. Yo, those villains, man, their game is so tight, man. They are focused. They're the definition of focus. 
So, if I may, sometimes people identified as villains are only classified as villains, but, you know, it depends what their intentions are. Not everybody is potentially a villain. Hydra, but global domination, I, I know some people, you know, I, I know of a couple people that, that wanted to establish that. I get that part. But the divide and conquer, the distractions, all of it, the lack of attention spans, like you would think that at this point we would be able to re re retain more, but we don't. And like we sensationalize in the instant and then we just get thrown more like cannon fodder, you know, more cannon fodder media to distract you. So just take, for example, um, Hurricane Katrina or the L.A. riots or the Haitian earthquake or any sort of incident that happens historically. That's a headline. But very quickly, that's not going to be frontline news anymore. Or Ferguson, for example, right? Or George Floyd. Or whatever the case may be, they'll cover it. They'll put the sad music. They'll put, you know, they'll put the the montage together, right? They'll pretend they'll say something needs to change, and then like gradually it gets. If you let it, or if we let it, it will just get pushed a little bit further down every day in terms of the priority, you know, in terms in terms of priority and what's what's a catchy headline for now. Like even take let's let's say the situation in in the Ukraine. Um, that's an issue that garnered groundswell out of the moment. Oh my gosh, I didn't know this was going on. Pick a side. Okay, I'm on this side, I'm on that side. And it's top of the media. And it's, you know, it's overtaken some issues that, that are domestically or internationally, let's say, still unaddressed. And I'm not saying that we have to, you know, I'm not saying any situation. I'm just saying, like, in terms of time and priority, if we go mute, no one's going to pay attention anymore. Even even social media, for example, when we had, um, there was a groundswell of information. There was like in increased like channels and sharing of thoughts and, and incidences. And I didn't even know about Breonna Taylor. You know, like everything was being shared and like people, like the, the, the traffic must have been immense in terms of like, hey, this is a huge issue. It's not just every 20-some-odd years or whatever the case may be. Everyone has, like, a lot of more people have these cases. Remember there was something, what was it called, the uh, Blackout Tuesday? Or yeah. what was, what was that, that one day, for some reason, we're going to show our solidarity by being quiet? Well, immediately you go from being number three or number one, like top five in terms of, of, of coverage and priority. With, your, with the zero attention span, you wake up, like, 24 hours later, you're now like number 63. Two weeks later, you're back at, you know, you're back in the doldrums at 99 or 100. You can't let off, you can't, you can't take your foot off the gas, you know? But a lot of times people are like, this is boring, I'm getting out, and whatever, like, uh, you know. I got in with you. I know, but we're not there yet. Yeah, 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 but, I mean, I was with you, but let me know when you get there, kind of thing. Mm. It's just, I fear that that might be, already underway, that people have found something else, a new shiny toy to distract them with. Until the next situation comes and we're reactive again. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's hope it doesn't get to that, obviously, but um, <laughs> I hate to wrap up on this note, man, but, you know, but uh, I appreciate the two of you coming on the, on the Ave and just, you know, sharing, you know, having a, a reflective conversation on our thoughts on on the LA riots and how it, it, it's kind of relatable to today still, right? Because still have, uh, we still got a lot of work to do. You know, I think that's kind of like the reminder of this pod. It's kind of like, you know, like that energy was, was a great energy. And it's like, we can't let that sleep forever. Like we, we still got a lot of work to do, you know? But like I said, guys, man, thank you for, for, for hopping on this one, man. I, I definitely appreciate that. Hey, you're welcome, bro. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, no doubt. Well, thanks for having me as well. Thank you for checking out the latest episode of the AF Podcast. And shout out to Jonathan Boxhill and Kevin W. for coming on the pod to share in that conversation. I'll be back with a new episode next week. If not, at the end of this week, most likely it'll be at the end of this week. And we'll have a new episode of My Story featuring Cheyenne Rowe next Friday. So make sure you stay tuned for that. 
Once again, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Leave those comments and those five stars for me wherever you're listening to me. And check out SalSharav.com for the catalog. Once again, that's SalSharav.com. I thank you for tuning in for the last six years and 200 episodes of the Av specifically. And I hope you're here for the next 200. All right. I appreciate you for tuning in and kicking it with me. Until next time, I'm out. <laughs>